This is Residence 104.4 FM. Flipping marvellous. It is I, Nicholas F. coming to you once more from a pub. Yes, I know. You're shocked. You're horrified. You can hardly believe it that I am in a pub. In a pub in Hammersmith. But this is slightly different because I'm in a pub with Hammersmith. Not to talk about writers, but to talk about actors. And in fact, to talk about her, I suppose we are talking about writers, really, aren't we? Because we're talking about Mary Shelley. Now you'll know if you're uh, if you're a regular that uh, I uh, I lurk up to the lurch up to the Edinburgh Festival every year, and uh, this year is no exception. Uh, and uh, we're doing a production of a play called The Birth of Frankenstein. I normally go The Birth of Frankenstein, but I don't really need to now because we're into rehearsals. Um, and I've got the cast. Hello, cast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we're in a rehearsal room, which I can't tell you about. Obviously, it's secret. <laughs> Um, but we've got, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Callum Pardo and I'm playing Lord Byron. I'm Jamie Patterson and I'm playing Percy Bysshe Shelley. And I am Taryn Gray, I'm playing Mary Shelley. Hooray! I knew that. Of course I knew that. Um, if you're listening, by the way, I should say on 96.4 FM, we're also on bohemianbritain.com uh, and I'll give you instructions about uh, how um, you can get in touch later if you'd like. So who wants to start? Or tell us about the play. Who wants to, who wants to tell us about this play? You want to have a go, Carl? Well, sure. You're the nearest yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose uh, The Birth of Frankenstein is a look at how uh, Frankenstein, the story, came to be following uh, the story of Mary Shelley's life uh, from the uh, from her birth to the death of her mother, leading into how she met Percy and then eventually ending up in Geneva with Lord Byron and sort of having that nightmare of, of Frankenstein and how that became uh, the story itself. Um Yes, so that's sort of how I'd sum it up, I suppose. Yeah. And are you a, are you a, are you a Shelley fan? Did you know much about Frankenstein before you started this? Yeah. Well, I, I, my my first memory of of Frankenstein was doing a sort of A levels, and I remember we did a couple of texts at A levels, but Frankenstein was the one that really kind of uh, fascinated me. I love gothic horror, um, and I think Frankenstein is such a. Of course, it is it is the example of it. I think it's a really really great text, some really sort of lovely language and imagery in there and, and sort of great themes of sort of creation and and uh, and all sort of lovely gubbins really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what about, so what part are you playing, Jamie? So I'm playing Percy Bysshe Shelley. Um, Do you know much about Frankenstein before this? I, I'd read the book uh, because well, it was random. I uh, I had someone like a decorator doing some work on my house, and um, this was like not so long before this play, and we were just chatting, and he was like, "Have you read Frankenstein?" Uh, I was like, I "Actually, haven't. I've seen the play with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, but I haven't read the book." And he was like, "You have to read it. Uh, it's absolutely amazing." And he lent me the book, uh, and I read it, and I agree. Yeah, it's. Um, it it's so ahead of its time uh and there's so many themes in it that i think are really prevalent in today which we've kind of discussed in this process as well um so yeah thank you to the decorator at my house who, uh, <laughs> who got me to read that he went, it's alive <laughs> and, and what about yourself terry so you're playing mary shelley did you know much about frankenstein before this process well, so I've, I've always been sort of tangentially fascinated by Mary Shelley. She's the, you know, the creator of the genre of sci-fi, essentially. And I'm a big sci-fi fan. And so I've seen um, many versions of Frankenstein, whether that be play or film or text. Um, and 
I just, you know, she appears in so many different places in, in Doctor Who and in all types of um, sort of adaptations and things. And I, I think it's really fascinating that the creator of the genre of sci-fi was a teenage girl. And so I've always found her really intriguing as a character. And then through this process, getting to know her a lot deeper um, and getting to understand a sense of what inspired her to write Frankenstein and the types of things that had gone on in her life that influenced those types of thoughts of reanimation around death and um, sort of a new world um, are, are really interesting because ultimately I think Frankenstein is the story of a parent and a child um, and the idea of creation and, and our children brought into this world um, of their own accord or not and what are the implications of that how much does the parent owe to the child and vice versa and um, Mary herself having gone through the loss of many children I think was very very interesting so yes a uh, very very uh, deep very literary exploration of uh, Mary Shelley and her life and so that's been the joy to dive into that in this and figure out what all came about came ab uh, brought about that that story really and I suppose it is because it's quite I mean the whole drama of it that it's, you know she was what 16 years old and she ran away with a married man who was older than her I mean you you kind of that's her real life you almost mm. that's almost like a tv soap plot or something isn't yeah. it I mean do you think does anyone think were they particularly privileged do you think I mean Mary Shelley and her family because they were both her parents and her mother was they were both sort of great thinkers weren't they well it's interesting because they were great thinkers but at the time uh Mary runs off with with Percy, as I understand it. Uh, William Godwin and his new wife, uh, who I believe is also called Claire, um, uh, they're they're on hard times and and they're sort of struggling financially. In fact, uh, Percy comes into Mary's life because uh, William uh, is on is on hard times, and Percy reached out and uh, sent him a letter. Um, so I think. It, it's it's sort of interesting because they are they're, they're on they're 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 financially not well off but they're also you know I imagine they're not sort of in poverty you know what I mean Terry well, I think he, yeah, yeah I would I would say they were by no means destitute yeah. they were certainly living an upper class lifestyle I think they were perhaps the poorest of the rich friends um, and so felt like they were really down on their luck um, and maybe there were some struggles and some issues with debt and things like that but I think I think it was it was quite a, a still living in upper class society and and doing those types of things they were certainly privileged um in many ways yeah they're they're able to make their income off of their intellect uh which Rather obviously than hard labor. yeah exactly yeah. which most people wouldn't have been able to do at that time um in the play like uh, Percy kind of they're really down on money and Percy says oh, I'll just send one of my poems in and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we can get some money for it um, which is obviously like quite a bizarre position to be in um, yeah and something well, it's a position I quite like to be in myself, <laughs> to be honest. I, mean, I suppose movie because this was about the seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I suppose movie for you know Dylan Thomas famously was was broke all the time and and constantly sort of sofa, sofa surfing. Mm. Although perhaps Dylan Thomas isn't a good comparison, although we do reference him in the yeah. play, do we not? Yeah. But of course, I suppose he he wasn't 
his father was a teacher in Wales, so he didn't have kind of a, uh, there were no, no titles, I don't think, in the background. And how, do you think you would have liked, cause how, do you think you would have liked your coach? Would you like Mary if she was around oh, today? Oh, yes. Yeah, I think she's fascinating. I mean, she was raised sort of this, this uh, woman out of her time. Her father raised her to be, as he said, a philosopher or even a cynic. And um, she was raised with an education unlike any other women at that time, being shipped around to various thinkers and writers and academics and learning from all of them. And at the age of 15, everyone was sort of like, oh, oh my God, like this girl is, is so unusual and so um, sort of single-minded in her perseverance and everything that she wants to do, you know, had all of these big thoughts and wasn't afraid to share them. And um, I think that her father and mother's idea of their politics that was passed down to her as well is resulted in why she was so drawn to Percy in his idea of free love and sort of radical um, thoughts around marriage and things like that. And so I think, and religion, of course. So I think they were very much people out of their time. And I think I would have found her pretty fascinating. Plus she was a bit morbid and I, you know, I love a bit of, of horror and yeah. <laughs> all of that myself, so. But if you say she's a bit goth, she kind of invented it though, didn't she, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and what about, what about Percy? How do you relate to Percy Shelley? I mean, is there anything in today that you can see in him? Yeah, I mean, Percy is this extremely sensitive character uh, who kind of has so much, so much to him uh like yeah i think um he's he's so he's so so radical and forward thinking uh for his time i think if i met him in the 1800s i probably would have thought he was a bit of a pretentious <laughs> um idiot uh <laughs> going on to me about this vegetarianism yes because he uh, was a vegetarian yeah, back in the he like he he literally w was one, like the inventor of vegetarianism and he believed that it, all creation should be uh treated as equal which saying that today is is great and like really fits in with the values that we hopefully have uh but yeah back in the early 1800s i'm sure well i know that he uh definitely turned a lot of people's backs up um and i can imagine him kind of walking pretentiously around uh university trying to lecture people on their eating habits and their lifestyle habits um so yeah it's kind of it's interesting to and i suppose because famously he got he got sent down he got sacked from oxford didn't exactly he? yeah yeah so he barely lasted more than a year at oxford before he uh, released a pamphlet called The Necessity of Atheism um, and sent it, sent it personally to the church in Oxford and delivered it personally to lots of students, um, which is quite interesting. I mean, he basically asked to be kicked out of the university, um, which is, yeah, really, really interesting. There's a mate of mine went to Oxford and actually had the same rooms that he used to have. That impressed me. I don't yeah. know why. And it was a few hundred years later. But yeah. And then, of course, Byron. Well, yes. what can we say about Byron? It must, did you know much about Byron beforehand? So bits and bobs. But I think I think part of the joy of this process has been getting to know uh, Byron the man uh, historically and 
and what he was up to and stuff like that. And I think if I were to meet him uh, today, I think there would be an aspect of admiration for sure, but also I think um, concern, <laughs> a lot of yeah, sort of concern, because because he did he lived such a reckless kind of life and sort of styled himself as this gentleman poet adventurer and stuff like that and i always get the feeling when i when i read about byron that he that he so desperately you know has something to prove and stuff like that and i and i and I, I, I feel like we rarely hear about the sort of the, the, uh, the sort of tenderness of, of of byron what he was like behind all of the bluster and stuff like that so that's been something that i've been trying to think about Throughout this process, but I think what 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 I what I'm really fascinated by is is um uh, his travels and stuff like that, and and particularly when it comes to his poetry, he was really influenced by uh, by Islam and stuff like that, and uh, and the Middle East where he travelled there a, a fair bit and stuff like that, and I f- forget the name or the the quote off the top of my head, but he talks about how it's kind of like the the font for which like all kind of creativity and poetry uh, in his life kind of. Uh, stems from, which I think is is really, really quite beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, uh, Byron, interesting character, isn't he? I yeah. suppose we're, we're quite privileged in that there's quite a lot written about all of them, isn't there? I mean, that Mary Shelley's letters are there. And I'm Nick Hennigan. This is uh, Literary London on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm talking to the cast, the cast of the Birth of Frankenstein, which. In full fairness, I'm also directing. Yeah, come on, of course I can. I'm going to get my microphone out, aren't I? Working with actors. I mean, so let's just talk a little bit about you personally, because um, I know that there was a great long audition process, and uh, I mean, I guess what what started? Well, what started you take? Because obviously you're you're not off these shores. <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? <laughs> yeah. I have to say, by the way, you're Mary Shelley's perfect. <laughs> you're RP. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been in London now for the last four years, originally from California and spent um, seven years in New York. I did my undergrad, my BFA training in acting um, at NYU Tisch School of the Arts. And then I came over to London to do my master's in classical acting at Lambda. So um, had some good training over here. So hopefully that's influenced the, the English accent a bit. Um, yeah, it's what? really... Sorry, I want to say, what made you move to, to England rather than train in America? Was there a specific thing? Well, so I trained both places, um, but in New York, it was um, an incredible training in contemporary and modern uh, work and theater and acting styles. But it was, in my opinion, really, really lacking any sort of foundation on classical acting. And so I thought, well, first off, I was looking just as a way to come over to the UK for a little bit of time. And so I came over and I did a short course at Lambda, um, did a Shakespeare play uh, over the summer and really enjoyed it and actually found that I was a bit by the bug a bit. And so did want to come back to do a full master's here. And um, I thought if I need to get some classical training, um, I need to come to the place in the world that basically founded it. Um, so that's why I came over here and Lambda is the oldest drama school in the UK. So um, that also felt like the place to do it and sort of the perfect bridge between um, the training that I had had in New York and uh, the London sort of classical drama school style of training. So yeah, that's what brought me over. And here you are. Hooray. Yeah. Um, what, what about yourself, Jane? 
so I trained at the Guildford School of Acting. Um, but yes, the kind of path that led me to that, uh, I suppose as a child, I was very a very shy child. Um, I'd say I still am quite shy now. Uh, a lot of actors are, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are quite introverted people. Uh, but yeah, I was extremely shy when I was young. Um, and my parents took me along to some acting classes on the weekend. Um, and it just absolutely transformed me. Um, and yeah, I, I loved it. I came completely out of my shell. Um, yeah, I being on stage, I kind of just, um, I feel more myself than at any other point in my life. Um, even though you're being someone else exactly exactly it's a weird it's a weird contradiction but uh, I guess I feel like I'm able to put a lot of myself into my characters so there's it's finding that authenticity um, which really interests me now Um, so yeah I was fortunate my parents took me to the theatre a lot when I was younger uh, and then my dad gave me a book on James Dean when I was about 13 uh, and I just became absolutely obsessed with him. Um, watched all the films, the three limited films that he did before he died uh, and read that he went and trained at uh, drama school. I, I just want to do exactly what he did um, and that kind of started that journey off for me and then, yeah, here I am, so thanks James Dean. Giant, <laughs> giant. Oh, that was yeah, yeah, what about exactly. your trade? Did you get, have you got sort of uh, show busy relatives or family? Uh, none, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was the kid who was begging I, unlike you I was not very shy I was bursting yeah. with stories and songs and and things and always making my parents and siblings and relatives watch me do things um I was obsessed with the film Grease um and walked around pretending to be Sandy all the time and I would make everyone call me Sandy but I begged <laughs> them to put me into theater dance anything um basically my whole life and they never did until I got to um high school so when I was about about 13 um, 14 is the first time that I ever actually did any structured um, theater dance singing and really it was just it was all downhill from there my family thought I was going to be a doctor I was dead set on being a surgeon for a long time so it was quite the the switch for them to have to deal with I shan't say about disappointed parents because I've had to live with mine for long enough. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Callum? What was your route? Yes, so so I I uh, much like Auden, am a Shropshire lad. Um, I, I I come from a, from a small market town called Ludlow, which is just know it well, lovely yeah. river. <laughs> I know, yeah, great castle and a lovely market. So yeah. so I went to. Uh, so the acting kind of bug, I suppose, bit me when it was about year ten at high school, and um, uh, I, I, uh, I was, I was, we were doing a school play, um, the first kind of school play that the school had done in a while, as I understand it, and it was Ghostbusters the Musical, and it was originally, <laughs> it was a ri- an originally written iteration of Ghostbusters the Musical. It wasn't anything like the film. We were the Shropshire branch of Ghostbusters, and I remember going into that audition. It was a musical audition. I just sing a song, 
I, uh, and I, in my infinite wisdom, I sang uh, an Ollie Murs song, which I will not uh, uh, do a rendition of uh, now. No. I know, I know, disappointing, disappointing, but I might just sort of implode from the embarrassment. It was mortifying. I remember watching the my drama teacher sit there trying to uh, obscure a really big, like, silly grin on his face because, I was, you know, it was a bit embarrassing. But I ended up being one of the Ghostbusters. And what I found really funny is, like, all of the main characters in uh, the show, they got their own song, apart from me, which, you know, frankly, didn't mind. I was just the comic relief. And so from there, it just kind of sort of built on. And then I say, you know, I t- started to take acting seriously career-wise around sixth form. Because, you know, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. I've been a big fan of Doctor Who for a long time. And I always, you know, I watched it uh, a lot and still do. But when I was younger, uh, there came a point where I stopped being like, oh, you know, I wonder what sort of the Doctor's going to get up to next week and stuff like that. And there came a point where I was like, hang on a minute, these are people and this is a job. And that's incredible. And I want that job. <laughs> so, um... I did sixth form, and then I thought about auditioning for drama school, but a lot of my friends were auditioning uh, for drama school straight out of sixth form, and they were getting nowhere. And I had sort of, you know, quite a low opinion of myself as an actor at that point, and I was like, gosh, if they're not even getting anywhere, what hope do I have? So I went to university, went to uh, Royal Holloway, studied drama and theatre studies there, um, did a lot of society stuff, um, a lot of improv, shout out to the Holloway players, if you're listening. Um, oh, they will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and so, yeah, did that. And then uh, recently, a year and a half ago, um, graduated from East 15, did the uh, MA in acting there under Andrea Brooks, a fantastic woman, fantastic course. And yeah, now I've been living in London for about a year and a half ever since. And that's sort of me, really, in a nutshell. Yeah. And have you you've been kept keeping busy? Has everyone been keeping busy? That's the other thing that people always talk to you about when you're an actor. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 sort of a that's that's part of the game, isn't it? I, I mean, I do a lot of uh, classes and uh, and and other such things. Uh, and I'm also I, I'm a playwright myself, uh, so I write bits and bobs, and I find that how just kind of keeping the creative juices, be it sort of honing the craft or making something you know myself to sort of put on uh, is is sort of helpful uh, and nourishing and i think it's it's sort of it's all a matter of keeping yourself occupied so you don't go absolutely mental which i have been on the brink of a couple of times <laughs> but uh, but how yeah. are you finding playing a, a, an elevated lord and a monster well <laughs> well no it's been great it's been really really good i i think byron is is uh, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better role to play, quite frankly. As a, as a queer man myself, I think the honour of, of embodying such a such an interesting, complex queer figure from history is a real privilege. And also, briefly dipping my toe into in, into the monster is just, I mean, it's great fun, isn't it? You know, like, <laughs> I love, you know, moving my body in weird ways and sort of, you know, putting a voice on and stuff like that. That's, you know, that's, I don't know, There's there's something kind of childlike in the joy of it yeah. and of course the real monster the real Frankenstein we, we tend to or a lot of us tend to think of the bolt through the neck and the mm. the real monster in a sense is not that at all is he he's a sentient being who teaches no, himself to read yeah. and like she's created this creature that's yeah. that's quite it's well hopefully it's quite moving yeah absolutely I think you know the, the creature you know didn't ask to be born you know sort of going back to what sort of Taryn was saying about you know childhood and sort of the themes of that in the book and stuff like that and you know, here's this 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 wonderful this miracle, this miracle. Because you know, Victor Frankenstein, he performs a miracle. He he brings this something dead to life, and then and then he shuns it. This 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 thing of beauty. Um, 
and it and it you know like any like any child that is abandoned by its parent it, it you know it, it sort of it kind of it's sad you know yeah. it's it's sad um it's it, uh it lashes out um and victor creates yeah. the evil himself yeah rather than blaming it on the creature is this kind of which is what i really find interesting about the creature because you could you you could have him as very 2d and just say he's the he's this evil he, he he's this evil person who commits these uh, atrocious acts towards the end of the book but no we actually see his path of him turning turning into that we see that kind of path into this like learn this learned cruelty uh, and evilness which i which i think is so much more interesting because so with with so many characters they're not just they're, they're not just bad people they have a whole a whole depth to their personality um which is really interesting from an acting perspective to be able to look at and from an audience perspective yeah and i suppose with that homeric quote isn't it give me the child till he's seven and i'll give you the man yes and that's sort yeah. of hugely amplified here but and i yeah so it does make me think of there's a, a line that mary has um that she says to percy which is um we are isolated creatures but we are perhaps what society has made us mm. and i do think that that also applies to the creature so you know he he's the creature starts off as being good and wanting you know companionship and love and connection and it's because of how society reacts to the creature that causes him to become monstrous because of all of these um feelings of isolation and and you know i it's like it's like with any child like someone tells you that you are monstrous enough and you believe them mm. or you know a child will take the path of least resistance so if if everyone says oh you know they're a real problem child in school they're a troublemaker well it becomes easier to continue to play the troublemaker than to try and prove them wrong and so um i think that that's the heartbreak of it and you feel quite um you feel quite sympathetic toward the creature and quite heartbroken, I think, at the end. And certainly Mary, who's looking at the creature as um, a, sort of a metaphor stand-in for her own children who she can't keep alive, I think is, um, is, is a really moving moment in the piece. Yeah, brilliant. Well, you're looking forward to the Edinburgh Festival? Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. That's all we've got time for. If you want to suss out, uh, come and see The Birth of Frankenstein. It is actually uh, this week at the Tabard Theatre in London, in Birmingham. Then it's at the Edinburgh Festival in Pleasance Courtyard in The Cellar. Very appropriate named venue, I think. The Cellar in the Pleasance Courtyard for the uh, Edinburgh Festival. And then at the end of August, it will be in Birmingham at the Billsley Pub. Oh, in South Birmingham. Uh, If you'd like to know any more, then check out mavericktheatrecompany.com. I think all the details are on there. Maverick Theatre, Maverick Theatre Company com and uh, if you'd like to get in touch as always it's radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk if you're involved in anything if you're uh, whatever, writing anything or you've got a song yeah, then just uh, let me know uh, and uh, I shall see you next time this is Literary London on uh, bohemianbritain.com and also on Resonance 104.4 FM <laughs>